When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best advice. It's Wednesday, April 18th. I'm Chris Hardy. Today we're going to talk about this indigenous woman named Hazoji Matheson Margolis, who is making waves in Native American stem and marine conservation. Hazoji Matheson Margolis is mostly known as the super badass drummer from the band Helms Ali. But what a lot of people don't know is that she's also an emerging scientist in the field of marine conservation which came from this six-year career she had as a commercial shellfish harvester. Hazoji kind of has this sixth sense for finding gooey ducks. Um, and if you don't know what a gooey duck is, they're these really weird big clam things. Y- you can Google it. I promise you won't be disappointed. So the cool thing is that Hazoji's tribe, the Puliab, actually have a long history of harvesting these weird clams. So what Hazoji's doing is taking this indigenous knowledge and bringing it into her work as a conservationist. Today, we've got Vice's Ankita Rao talking to Features Editor Brian Anderson about the story. How did you first come across Hosoji? I had been seeing her play in bands for a couple years. So she plays drums in a band called Helms Lee. She sings as well. And she also plays bass and sings vocals in a two-piece band called Lozen. But... I had been seeing Helmsley for a couple years and was always totally blown away as a drummer myself watching someone like her play. She's just on a completely different level. So I was reading an interview that she did in Tom Tom Mag, which is a fantastic feminist drumming publication. And she did an interview in Tom Tom in 2011 and she made passing reference to her day job, which is at the time was a commercial clam diver for the tribe. So immediately that dichotomy I thought was very interesting. And one thing led to another and I got a hold of her and we went from there. You got to hang out with Hazoji in all sorts of different places and see different facets of her life, including music and diving. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. It was a trip. So she lives just outside of Tacoma, which is about 45 minutes by car from Seattle. So in the few days that I kind of shadowed her around, we were mainly in and around Tacoma. And we went out on the boat. It was amazing. I had never been on any sort of boat like that. So she works with the Puyallup Tribal Shellfish Department. So the tribe has this department that is sort of tasked with maintaining ceremonial and subsistence and harvest rights to the shellfish in pockets of the Puget Sound. So that was sort of eye-opening going out on the boat with her and two scientists who work for the tribe and just sort of watching them 
do what they do. But that was really only just like one little slice of her life. And sort of from there, we spent time in her rehearsal space with her band, which was a real treat for me. But again, you sort of see like this dichotomy from like deep diving clam digger and this force behind a a drum set. And then from there, sort of like completing this three-sided character study is what she does in the lab at the local university. That sort of completed the, the profile. That was like the third angle was spending time in the lab with her where she looks through microscopes at little tiny critters in samples of water from the Puget Sound. And it was amazing. She has so many different parts of her identity and, and they're kind of full, fully on display in the story. But, you know, she's obviously an indigenous woman in science, which is unfortunately extremely rare these days. She's a musician. She's also, you know, was a commercial diver. How does she identify and like what does she see sort of as the central thing that she's working on right now? The way I see this character study is in three parts. So think of it as a triangle, and they all sort of inform one another. So there's Hazoji, the drummer, who has a very meticulous sort of precision technique to playing the drums. There's Hazoji, the deep-sea diver, who has the same sort of precision ability and almost preternatural knack for finding gooey duck and clams hidden in the sand. And then there's Sozoji, the lab technician, who brings the same sort of thorough and meticulous process to tracking baby shellfish in the lab that she works in at UW-Tacoma. So all of those worlds, those three worlds that she inhabits, they're sort of on a surface level, wildly different from one another, but as I got deeper into it, I realized that she's bringing the same sort of energy and technique to these drastically different worlds. The other salient character in the story is the gooey duck itself. Tell me a little bit more about that. The gooey duck is a large edible saltwater clam, and they're actually the largest burrowing clam in the world. So a gooey duck will fix itself in a spot in the seabed for life. So in the same spot, it sort of suctions into the sand, its shell does, and then it has a retractable siphon, sort of a fleshy siphon, that can grow to two meters in length, which is six feet. So if you can imagine, it sort of looks like a disembodied baby elephant trunk, Others can't help see something extremely phallic, but it's just a a, a giant siphon. And the name gooey duck is commonly mispronounced geoduck, which is how it's spelled, G-E-O-D-U-C-K, but it's gooey, gooey duck, and that traces to the lasut seed, so the indigenous word for dig deep, and that harkens to the physical process of digging deep into the sand to find a gooey duck where it's suctioned itself. So they they can be, you know, like three feet in the sand. So you really have to like get in there and blast around them with a water hose to sort of dislodge the the shell and pull out the gooey duck. There's parts in the story where I feel like her identity as a indigenous woman 
who comes from this lineage of people who did harvest these gooey ducks for centuries. And then on the other end, this marine biologist who's focused on conservation. There's this inherent tension there. How does she approach that? And for you, what does that inform about sort of where we are in in that conservation dialogue? Well, she recognizes both sides of the coin. So, you know, under the treaty rights, these people have a right to harvest this animal that has been harvested for centuries upon centuries in this area by both indigenous and non-indigenous people. So they have that right, and she fully recognizes that, you know, she isn't one to say people can't exercise that right. At the same time, she knows that it needs to be done in a way that is sustainable and in a way that is going to ensure that, you know, shellfish don't disappear. So over the course of six or seven years that she spent harvesting gooey duck for the tribe, but also sort of dipping her toes into doing surveys on the conservation side, I think she realized that that is where her heart lies and that conservation and the harvest aren't mutually exclusive. They, they go hand in hand. But, you know, for her, she knew that in good conscience, she couldn't continue doing the harvest. And, and a lot of people that I spoke out there feel similarly. You know, the, the, the one doesn't undercut the other. They just have to be in a symbiotic relationship. It's also extremely rare for there to be an indigenous person in science, let alone a woman. How does that sort of shape what she brings to the scientific community? So data on the number of indigenous scientists currently in the United States is pretty hard to come by. As of 2011, according to the U.S. Census, there were an estimated 0.6% Native American and Alaskan Natives in STEM jobs, so self-identified. But compare that to 66.9 percentage of white STEM scientists, uh, non-Hispanic or non-Latino. So that's a huge gap. And I think someone like Hazoji, she is sort of poised to close that gap. And I think there's been really no better time for someone like that. And, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not just her out there. There are many other people from Native communities who have, you know, what's known as traditional knowledge, who can bring so much to STEM. But, you know, as I sort of tease out in the story, to this point, that's never really been recognized in a Western framework. So it's always kind of been marginalized. But also, it's the Trump age. And, you know, his administration is openly hostile to indigenous communities. So that's a huge specter that's hanging over all of this. And Hazoji and others I spoke with, Bonnie Becker, who runs the lab, you know, they all recognize that it's challenging times. And it can have a chilling effect with sort of the anti-science rhetoric coming out of the Trump administration. But that's really just more incentive for them to continue the work they're doing. To check out Brian's full piece, go to motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.